You're listening to the front page edition of All Things Considered on Florida's 89.1 WUFTFM. I'm Jordan Maddock. And I'm Mark Whiteman. In the wake of the most devastating interstate pileup in north central Florida history, traffic is running again in both the north and southbound lanes on I-75 and US-441 in Alachua County. The multi-vehicle crash, which included more than 20 vehicles, left 10 dead and 21 others injured. The accident occurred when smoke from a 62-acre fire in Payne's Prairie billowed onto I-75. And Florida Highway Patrol spokesman Pat Reardon says the haze from the fire caused drivers on the road to lose all visibility. The mixture of fog and smoke uh, came across this area very and settled in very quickly. And shortly thereafter is when the collisions occurred. Those injured at the scene were immediately rushed to Shands and North Florida Regional Hospital. And Shands Chief Medical Officer Timothy Flynn said, as about 15 to 20 extra doctors and nurses were called in to assist in victim care. Something like this where the capacity for mass casualties uh, is something that uh, we have the ability to ramp up for because we have people on call and all you have to do is make a phone call and the tree starts and we, uh, we all come in. Fire officials are still unsure as to what actually caused the fire, but Reardon says the initial incident involved one of the multiple semi-trucks involved in the accident. A tractor-trailer had several vehicles collide to the back end of it, and they did catch fire, and they were totally engulfed and and totally burned. Both I-75 and U.S. 441 were reopened around 11 a.m. this morning, and Florida Department of Transportation spokesperson Gina Busker says while the roads are currently safe to drive on, they will need some resurfacing moving forward. There was a certain uh, couple of sections on the roadway that we would need to resurface um, for long term for it to hold up under uh, long term traffic. Um, it, of course, it was safe to drive on. That's why we uh, released released it last night. Busker adds that figuring out how much funding needs to be allocated for the repairs will take some time. We're trying to do it uh, in the most expeditious way that we can, uh, but then again, we uh, we're looking at you know making sure that we um, handle the the taxpayers' funds accordingly, appropriately. So we're trying to uh, come up with some numbers now and see whether it's best to try to award a separate contract to a contractor or possibly put it in a contract that we have uh, underway now. It depends on what the amount is, the estimate of the work that needs to be done, and we're going about that today. Alachua County Sheriff Sadie Darnell was at the accident scene and says altogether roughly 23 cars were involved and immobilized and says the cars carried license plate tags from all over. Just from the tags that I saw, they're from all, every state, uh, you know, a lot of Florida tags, and there, there are a lot of different people uh, from uh, other states, and then there are some rental vehicles, too, so there's no way to know. Uh, I certainly don't know where, where people come from, but it's going to run the gamut. Though the immediate damage from the accident is no longer present, dangerous conditions are still possible, and Darnell says the Alachua County Sheriff's Office will be out in full force along the roadways to prevent further accidents. We're going to be on the interstate and we'll be monitoring the conditions. Uh, we'll be popping lights. You'll be seeing much like, you know, the, uh, the, um, uh, like having a roadblock, but not having a roadblock, but having visible marked units on patrol that people will slow down. Alachua County Fire Rescue Deputy Chief of Operations Bill Northcutt says for emergency responders on the scene, officials are preparing a trauma debriefing. We do have a system that's called Critical 
incident stress debriefing, and uh, it's something that we have at our disposal that we use when we, anytime an incident happens where we believe uh, that there may be some uh, personal fallout from being involved in the incident, uh, we use it when there are uh, children involved in, in particular horrific incidents and certainly something at this magnitude. Uh, and we uh, are currently working on uh, setting that up at this point. As the smog clears and the dust settles on one of the most horrific pileups north central Florida has ever seen, there are still plenty of unanswered questions as to what happened Sunday morning. You're listening to the front page edition of All Things Considered on Florida's 89.1 WUFTFM. We'll be right back. Support provided by Clean Energy Logistics Lab announcing Solarize Now. Solarize Now is a community-driven solar and hot water system installation program in partnership with local certified solar installers covering the entire state of Florida. Professional evaluation of energy use as well as system design information are available to individuals and businesses. More information on solar electric and hot water systems at solarizenow.org or 352-450-0975. The world-famous Glenn Miller Orchestra is coming to Gainesville for a special benefit performance Monday, February 6th at 7 p.m. at the Buholtz High School Auditorium. The orchestra, one of the most popular and sought-after big bands in the world today, will be playing many of the original Miller arrangements, plus some newer tunes that lend themselves naturally to Miller's style and sound. Proceeds from this special performance go to the Buholtz High School Band Scholarship Fund. More information is available at buholtzband.com. That's buholtzband.com. Welcome back, and now for a look at our weather with the University of Florida meteorologist Jeff Huffman. Jeff, looking at Saturday night's situation, can you explain what conditions helped contribute to the incidents? Uh, yes, obviously we had the the uh, visibility was the main problem, the main issue with the accidents uh, Saturday night and early Sunday morning. It was a unique situation where we have, um, and this happens a lot in north central Florida, this, this just happened to happen right over an interstate, a very heavily traveled road. Uh, the conditions weren't ideal for fog to form. We were not expecting widespread fog. But when you have a, a fire, uh, such as the one that was uh, burning in Payne's Prairie, the smoke, especially when you have some a temperature inversion, the smoke can settle near the ground. And and what happens, uh, we have the mixture of the fog and the smoke. The fog forms uh, because of the uh, particles in the air, the dust and smoke particles in the air. That's what uh, the moisture condenses to. Uh, you know, there's actually, I've been reading on Twitter all over the country, there's meteorologists contributing to you know, the idea that fog and smoke did, did mix to make this uh, this uh, visibility problem. Some, some people believe it wasn't actually fog at all, it was just smoke. But either way, uh, what happens is there's a temperature inversion so that the uh, air is very still and, and then the, sm- the smoke or fog settles near the ground and just does not move. And the conditions can vary very quickly. As you're traveling along on the highway, you can encounter this depressed uh, section of the interstate and those visibilities will deteriorate very quickly. And I believe that was what li- obviously what led to the accident. Uh, yeah, definitely tough to see out there yesterday. Uh, can drivers expect similar conditions moving forward throughout the week. I don't think the conditions will be as widespread tonight. That We did have the problem, once again, with areas of smoke this morning. I-75 was closed, and we also had some issues up along I-10. I think even that stretch of highway was closed for a brief time this morning. Uh, there are numerous brush fires. They're small in nature. There's nothing widespread or very large out there burning right now, but we do have numerous ones popping up all over north-central Florida on WRUF uh, on Cox Channel 6. We have an updated map showing you where all those locations are tonight, and obviously 
likely there is still some smoldering taking place near Payne's Prairie, and there are still some fires burning up in along I-10 that could cause reduced visibility tonight. The winds will be light tonight, so we still could have the same problem. I expect conditions to improve tomorrow as wind speeds increase out of the east, and I think conditions overall as we head toward the end of the week will be improving, and that is some good news. So you think the conditions are going to improve throughout the week, but what will it take to clear the smoke and the fog out of the area? Obviously a lot of rain. I don't think we're going to get enough rain to eliminate this problem. Uh, we have we will get some rain, I think, on Thursday. The showers will be spotty in nature, and there's another chance Friday night and Saturday. You know, I, the locals always talk about this as well. We need a big tropical system with a lot of rain over a two- or three-day period to really uh, give us some improvement, not only in the fire situation but our drought situation. Uh, Considering the weather pattern we're in and the weather pattern that I'm forecasting for the rest of the winter, I do not see that happening for quite some time. All right. Thanks, Jeff. That was University of Florida meteorologist Jeff Huffman. This afternoon, two large water tankers were on the scene of Payne's Prairie, where the 62-acre boardwalk fire is still burning. On the scene were officers with the Florida Highway Patrol, the Division of Forestry, and State Park Fire Management. Smoke was visible to motorists as they drove down U.S. Highway 441. Also on site were several dozen sprinkler heads being utilized to douse the flames still burning in the muck. Florida Forestry Service Wildfire Mitigation Specialist Ludi Bond describes the status of the operation. Wildfire um, suppression takes several different phases. When wildland firefighters are first showing up on a fire, it's called initial attack and suppression. Um, Sometimes that suppression efforts can go past 24 hours, and then that's called extended attack. And then you move into the mop-up phase, and that's when the fire is uh, trying to be cooled down and totally black, no visible smoke, no visible flame. But as you can see behind me here, there's still plenty of smoke on this fire. And we're in the mop-up phase of this fire now. It has been completely contained. It's 100% contained, which means those containment lines have been well established around the perimeter, and it's contained at 62 acres. But now what we have is active fire still inside the fire line. There's still plenty of smoke and heat within the, the fire. So what you see behind me now is an intricate sprinkler system that they're setting up um, with the, the water birds, they call them, the sprinkler heads they're putting up there to bring water onto the fire. Now, there's no water around here to, 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 to draft from because we are in a rain deficit. You know, we're in a severe drought in this situation here. So the water tenders are coming in. They're staging along 441 to make the water available for the sprinkler hoses, and there's an intricate web of hoses that the wildland firefighters are having to string all around the edge of this fire and trying to get it into the inside of the fire. There's also brush trucks that they're using to go out with the hoses. Those brush trucks have tanks on the back for water. And so throughout the day, they're going back up here to 441 to refill their tanks with water and water and foam and go back out on the fire and spray water. Bond says weather patterns will affect just where the smoke will go. Well, right now the smoke is, visibility is, is minimal because the dispersion index it brings the smoke up into the atmosphere before dispersing it. So we're always at the mercy of Mother Nature. Weather is going to indicate how fire will or will not behave and where smoke does or doesn't go. It depends on wind speed, wind direction, uh, as to where the, the smoke blows. Um, the dispersion index will either pick the smoke up into the atmosphere or keep it lower to the ground. Usually in the overnight hours is when the smoke stays lowest to the ground, but during the middle of the day is when your temperatures are the highest, your dispersion index is the highest, but it's also when the relative humidity is the lowest. So while they're still putting all this water on the fire, our relative humidities today are only in the upper teens. So it's very dry conditions today. We also see 
gusty winds. It's very breezy out here, and there's plenty of beautiful sunshine. So how much of this water is actually being dried up by Mother Nature while the firefighters are out here tirelessly putting, out, putting the water on the fire? It's, it's difficult. Bond encouraged motorists to stay vigilant on the roadways in the coming days. Bond says it will be difficult to determine just when the fire and smoke issues will be over. We have we have no idea. I mean, there, there's just no way to know how long this may or may, may last. The, there was a similar fire on a prairie in Putnam County, the Levy Prairie Fire. We've been working that one since November 14th. There's the Honey Prairie Fire at Okefenokee Wildlife Refuge. That one's been going on almost a year. In past years, that swamp has burned a year and a half. So there's really no way, no way to tell. State Park Fire Management Officer Jeff DiMaggio says his team has been on the scene since the fire started on Saturday. Um, we've been working on this since the fire started. So we were out here all day yesterday and the day before that. DiMaggio says he has to rotate his team members so they can get some rest. We're rotating folks in and out. Uh, basically, we can only work so far into the night and it gets so foggy you can't see anything. Mm -hmm. So we're pulling out about 10 o'clock or so and then having just LEs run the traffic for us and then come back in first thing in the morning. Meanwhile, accounts are still coming in from witnesses to the deadly crash on I-75 on Sunday. 19-year-old University of Florida student Ronnie Herrera was headed north on the interstate coming back from Tampa when he says out of nowhere, the smoke forced him to stop on the highway. We were coming from Gasparilla in Tampa and uh, we were running top of the Ames Prairie at almost around 4 a.m. So that's like when the accidents happened apparently. And, um, you know, you saw, the, you saw the edge of the smoke, and you didn't really think it was that bad. You know, it was a sign that said smoke ahead, but there's always, like, fog in Bain's Perry around that time. So we didn't think it would be that bad. And then you got in it, and you realized you couldn't see 10 feet in front of you. So you really saw that. But uh, we caught a glimpse of, what, like, stacks of flames. Herrera says he and his passengers were confused. They thought maybe they were driving through a wildfire. He says it wasn't until much later that they realized there had been a number of collisions ahead of him. We thought we were in the middle of a brush fire. We had no idea there were accidents. This fire just happened. There were fire crews there um, on the other side fighting the flames. But it turns out that was the accident that we saw. We only saw flames for like a fraction of a second, and then it disappeared behind the smoke. The smoke was like thick, like throughout like all of Painsbury. I mean, we had no idea there was even accidents. We thought that the smoke, we had no idea that we didn't know that there had been any accidents until the next morning. At the BP station, just off the I-75 Micanopy exit gas station, attending Christina Skaliski merrill was working during hours the crashes occurred. She describes what it was like to be there when people hurt in the accidents walked into the station needing help. In the morning, there was not very much business, you know, because everything was closed off. Um, the police had a van that they were bringing some of the people who weren't injured but like needed to go to the restroom and get some coffee and water they were bringing that the people were in shock I mean it was so traumatic you know but we tried you know to be the best hosts that we could be we called um, I know some of the people that have in the churches in Micanopy and we called some of those people up here so they were here at both stations um, to be there to pray with them, you know, to talk with them, to just be a support for them, just seeing their looks, you know, they have blood on their clothes and 
um, they were bloody. They used the restrooms to clean up, and it, it was it was emotional. People would come in very frustrated and angry because they couldn't get on the highways, and we were like, "Hey, look, people die. People are going to the hospital. You know, chill out. We've got the atlas here. Where do you want to go? Depending on where they wanted to go, if they were going Tallahassee, Pensacola, or Jacksonville, or if they just needed to get around it." We were telling them the best ways to get around it. I handle rough situations well. That's one of my strong suits, you know, was when a situation like this happens, I know what to do, um, and I do what I have to do. It's afterwards where I'm, you know, I'm at home and I'm sitting down and I'm looking back at it and I'm going, oh, my God. I mean, we've had accidents, you know, and we're prepared for accidents where they close it off for a couple of hours, you know, and there's one or two cars piled up. But not this big, nothing this big. I pray for them. But, you know, I know God will take care of them. What will be, will be, but my heart goes out for them. Again, that was Christina Skalski-Merrill, who worked at a gas station at the Micanopy exit and helped victims from the crash. The Florida Highway Patrol is holding a press conference at 4.30 this afternoon, just off Interstate 75 in the parking lot of the Wendy's Restaurant near the 379 mile marker located on County Road 318 in Marion County. Now for a look at your news minutes around the country. Newt Gingrich and Mitt Romney are both looking past tomorrow's Florida primary as the polls show Romney with a comfortable lead. The former Massachusetts governor is already planning a stop in Minnesota on Wednesday on the way to Nevada. Gingrich, meanwhile, is warning Romney that there's still a long campaign ahead. Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton is planning to join her counterparts from France and Britain at the U.N. Security Council to push for a clear message of world support for the people of Syria. In a statement, Clinton says, we stand with you. She says the U.S. will throw its weight behind a resolution that has Arab backing, one that condemns President Bashar Assad's regime. Two Japanese companies have agreed to pay more than a half billion dollars in criminal fines for a price-fixing conspiracy in the sale of parts to U.S. automakers. Court documents say the companies sold electrical components to automakers in the U.S. and elsewhere at inflated prices. A judge in Haiti says former dictator Jean-Claude Duvalier should face trial for corruption, but not for the more serious charges of human rights violations committed during his rule. The judge says the statute of limitations had run out on those charges. Duvalier, who made a surprise return from exile last year, would face no more than five years in prison. Officials at the Columbus Zoo in Ohio have euthanized a spotted leopard that had lived at a wild animal refuge where dozens of animals escaped last year. The male leopard, one of six animals from the refuge that had been living at the zoo, suffered a severe spinal cord injury over the weekend when it was hit by a lowering door between two enclosures. Dozens of other animals from the refuge had been shot and killed by authorities after being set free by their owner, who then took his own life. You're listening to the front page edition of All Things Considered on Florida's 89.1 WUFTFM. I'm Mark Whiteman. And I'm Jordan Maddock. 